Zero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm with my good buddy Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltre. And while guys, I would normally ask you how you're doing, we gotta we gotta go kind of quick for Elkin here. Uh, he's not on a time frame. We want to make sure we get as much of his um, his input as possible. Otherwise, Robert Bagley will be um, severely slandered with with no one helping him out. Because today we are going to be talking and relitigating the 2018. NBA draft. Now, I don't know. I, I may look at this at one point while you guys are talking, but I may go back to and find like the podcast range numbers for where we talked about this draft so you could go back and hear our takes and know that we're not lying to you. And when I say I was right about Marvin Bagley, you know, you'll just have to believe, you know, you can actually see the receipts or hear them at least. So we're here to relitigate the 2018 draft. Guys, are you ready? Yes, indeed. Yes, sir. So. The way that we're going to do this is we are going to try to split up the players that were selected from that draft into five different tiers. If they don't make it to five different tiers, then they're extra bad. Um, tier number one, we are going to call Superstar. And um, we'll talk about the people who are in that tier. Some years there aren't anybody who would be in that tier, but we, we do have uh, at least one person in the Superstar tier. Then below that tier two is the all-star tier, where either they are a current all-star or perhaps that that is kind of how we see them and their career playing out, being a uh, an all-star over the years. Um, or, you know, kind of like, and that's kind of like their value. They're kind of valued um, perhaps in, in that sort of way. Then there's tier three, which we're going to call solid starters, where either they are right now, or we kind of envision them being in, you know, the top half of the starter at their position doing the thing that they do. And, and so that's tier three. And, and as we go along, you know, the tiers will get larger and larger and larger because it, that just tends to be how it happens on a bell curve. There, in our next tier will be rotation, and there will be some starters in that rotation, but some of them may be circumstantial starters that would start on some teams but are on the bench, and so you can't really classify them as a full-time starter or guys who are off the who are off the uh, bench right now but could probably start on some teams, depend, uh, situation dependent. Yeah, so that's our rotation to your tier four. And then tier five is basically, hey, they are they're in the league. Um they maybe could have found upon themselves like th there's at least one person here like Bruce Brown for example was starting on the Pistons we, we mentioned him here he, he was a starter he's now on the Nets a better team right not one of the worst teams in the league and he's kind of buried there maybe can get a few good spot minutes but you know still in the league but if he was on the wrong team right maybe we're we're just one step away from not being in the league and maybe these guys don't get another contract or maybe they're trying to fight for minimums the rest of their lives. So that's kind of where we have these five tiers. And how do we want to go about this, guys? Should we start with the the first five picks of the, of the draft and kind of see say who they are and what tier they fall into and then just start talking? We have to because otherwise Marvin Bagley will not get a shake or a fair one at all. Hey, and how about... Hey, hey, hey! Don't don't you start with the shots early on, all right? Oh, they're they're here. Okay, so the first five picks selected um, in the 2018 draft were number one, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, number two, Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, not to be confused with the tweeter Marvin Bagley the um, uh, second. Luke Doncic, 
number three. Uh, then Jaron Jackson Jr. went fourth. Then Trey Young went fifth. Okay. In a tier unto himself, we've got Luka Doncic. He's in tier one, superstar, going to be competing for MVPs going forward. He's going to be making all-star games as long as he's healthy. Um, I, I think that he's he's the clear and only guy who we have in in tier one. I mean, is, is any any further discussion that needs to be said about that? No, no objection on my end. That guy is already averaging near 30 points per game, putting together winning basketball from the jump. Just absolute full control of his uh, his game and faculties, and honestly, the team is better for it. Yeah, and you can kind of see it. One of the guys who benefited from playing professional basketball beforehand, and I think uh, when we did our 2018 draft preview, I think a few of you were advocating for him to go number one as well. I think Richard. Oh, we were. I mean, yeah, I think I yeah, think for, I, I definitely was. Remember, his coach of the uh, Slovenian national team was the Suns coach at the time, Igor Kostikov, or so however you say his last name. Yeah, and we were really advocating for it, and we were like, he's already played professionally, he's probably going to be the most NBA-ready, and all that stuff that we said, he pretty much came in and was like, yo, the NBA isn't that hard. That's literally what he said, so that is definitely the right ranking for him. For sure. So he's there by himself, and outside of him... The only other person that is in, I mean, he's in tier one by himself. The only person out of those five that finds themselves in tier two is Trey Young. And, I mean, I think especially after the early start that Atlanta had, like they were undefeated for a while playing stinky teams, might we might we say. They, they've had some some good games, some bad games, but, you know, you look at them, you look at them now and they're, they're four and five, um, 11th in the Eastern Conference, and they've they've hit some troubles. I know Ethan, for example, is less in love with Trey Young than I would say definitely the consensus, and even maybe myself or Elkin. I don't know. Ethan, you want to talk a little bit about this? Well, Trey Young is just not my cup of tea. Uh, he doesn't play any defense. Like, he doesn't even fawn interest. So, like, you know, hard hard for me to uh, get on board with just it being a physical limitation. Um, the way he plays basketball is not attractive to me. Like, obviously, like, you know, shooting, you know, deep threes and the dribble moves. His passing is great. I love his passing. Um, like there's so much about his game that I would like to like, but there's just, it just, the limiting factors are the, some of the foul drawing culture, which I loathe for the most part. Of course, I'll tell CJ McCollum to get better at it, but I still loathe it in general. And then like, I just watched the, the body language of, uh, of his teammates and I lose even more faith. I, I see John Collins, like, you know, moping about not, not touching the ball. And I, I know John Collins is in a contract year. He's trying to get his money. Like it, he has more than one reason to be uh, down on the way Trey Young plays. But I, I, there was a game winner. Trey Young hit his uh, rookie season and no one celebrated with him. And th- I, I know it's uh, a, <laughs> that small sample size. And <laughs> how many times you hit a game winner. But, but, like, but like, like, was that was that for like win number fifteen? I mean, a team should be even more excited for getting a, a rare win, as it were. My point is, uh, Trey Young has a, for me, 
There's enough about his game that I don't like. He's a volume shooter that's shooting 20% from three. Small sample size. It'll get better. But he's not... He's, he's, he's no Stephen Curry out here, which is what he likes to think he is. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of sick of the act. And I, I don't enjoy his style of basketball, despite uh, despite his incredible passing ability. Yeah, and I, I do understand where Ethan's coming from. I've been watching a lot more Hawks games, been trying to follow them. And they're on a four-game losing streak, just lost back-to-back game to the Hornets as well. And kind of just... Watching them and the John Collins thing, that's even more news that's been coming out that they keep getting into locker room arguments over the way that Trey Young's playing. And sometimes just watching Trey Young, you, he has those games where you're like, wow, he's on fire, he's passing good. But in a lot of the games, it kind of seems like he's the one guy at an AAU basketball tournament who's trying to shine above the rest. So he's going to try to do heat check and just take a crazy shot or make a bad decision or something that makes him look good. And Besides, I mean, his numbers are pretty much down. I know this weird has already been weird, but his numbers are pretty much down across the board and all around. So he's not having the best year, the best start. But I know it's a different roster. He's getting used to it. But I do know, I mean, I always try to think of him in the context for me, just how that him being traded for Luka, essentially. Like, what you're getting in. And I don't want to discount what he did last year. Like, last year he was an all-star. I, we'll, we'll give him props for that. I think we all agree we can give him props for that, becoming an all-star starter as well. Like, he has the ability to stay in this league, which is he's a scorer, but I think he has plenty of all-stars. He's an entertaining player in him, but I don't know if he could MVP. I don't know if I see that in his future. I don't know how you guys feel about that. 29-9 and nine is nothing to laugh at. And, like, I would say I would expect his stats to go down this year regardless because he's playing on a better team. Like, there's actually other players out here who can handle some of the load. He, like, there's not going to be fourth quarters where, well, I'm still the youngest guy on this roster. I'm taking – no, nice knock is Cam Reddish. But I'm I'm the youngest guy out here that's the key to development. I'm still going to take all these shots. Nowadays, he's, he needs to be playing winning basketball. Like, what should happen is that volume goes down a tiny bit, but his efficiency goes up. So, like, he, he should be able to, like – be close to the same stats but like his efficiency this year other than being saved by the free throw line is greatly decreased no and that's true he also is taking less three-point attempts like probably because he's just he's he's getting people on his back and stopping and letting them run him over he's he's got this new move in his bag that's stupid and he wants to keep doing it (laughs) we we, we, we know foul drawing culture is a plague ethan it is a plague we know we were aware um it's worse than the rona (laughs) wow um, the CDC does not endorse that take, but, um, the, the idea that, okay, so, so now he's taking less threes, getting more, um, more trips to the free throw line. It's actually not that much. It's, it's one full extra free throw more than he had last year. So overall, he's taking less three point attempts this year by about, he took nine and a half last year, taking five and a half this year. So about four less Three-point attempts, same number of two-point attempts, and, you know, one extra free throw a game. So, I think he is, you are seeing that scaled-back offensive, uh, like, if, if he was just hitting at the percentage from three that he was a year ago, like, so, for me, I'm, I'm not going to get too too frustrated with, with again, the early small sample size situation that, that we're in. For me, the question comes, well, is this is he someone who you can have? Because um, if we're going to be put up into the tier above, which I think is the discussion, if people want to have those types of discussions, uh, 
the way that it's going to happen is if you can put together a sustainable defense around him because, you know, he can drive um, a lot of really good offense. This year, at the moment, small sample size, they're um, middle of the pack, 17th out of 30th as far as defensive rating. Having Clint Capella there is helpful. Having um, some uh, leaps from DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish uh, on, on the wing is helpful. Um, so the question is, can you put together a good enough defense while having Trey Young be able to drive your offense for, for you to be good? Because, you know, l last year, they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. The year before that, same deal. So this is the first year in this small sample size where they haven't been complete trash on that end. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, for me, I, I don't think I can really put him up into Tier 1 until I see um, some playoff success and until I see, hey, th this is a team that defensively can hold up even with him on the floor. It's going to be an important aspect because he, unlike Steph Curry, who people want to compare him to, does not have the defensive instincts nor, like, you know, Steph Curry, for what's worth, very active when it comes to off-ball defense, trying to get steals, Trey Young doesn't seem interested in any of those things. And it's bigger. All right, let's get to the, let's get to uh, two guys, DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson Jr., who find themselves in the next tier, the solid starters tier. And Ethan, just a question for you: Would you take either of these two guys over Trey Young? Again, I know I know the the lack of Trey Young. Would you take either one of them or, or both of them above Trey Young? Um, I definitely would take Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, above Trey Young, and I know that's a it's a most people are going to disagree with that, and I understand why. I'm not saying I'm correct on, but it, it, and I might be plagued by the fact that they got the thing he needs more than anything else. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a foul prone, but he's foul prone, foul prone yet switchy defender. Very very good defensive player when he's not slapping people in the arms. He's a legit shooter, like got a laser. He needs to have the number one because he cannot be the number one. I don't believe that. And he has one. He has John Morant, who is would be, if he was in this draft, would be in that Luka tier, in my opinion. I, I think that would be a discussion. I think that one could envision that, but I, I would have a tough time putting him into tier one. I think I would probably have him still in tier two. If he's not the number one in tier two, then... I'd be upset with you. A tear's but a tear, Ethan. It is. A tear's a tear. And I'm crying tears. Ha! <laughs> huh. Anyway. You took my uh, line. Jaren, so, so th there's, there's a chance that Jaron Jackson Jr. is getting my personal benefit of having that number one next to him that I can, like, already envision. Like, oh, oh yes, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. is better than this because he has his number one next to him already, and he, it's going to just make him so good. So I could be plagued by that line of thinking. But I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I compared him to Chris Bosh in the draft. That's in the receipts as well. And I think the only thing he doesn't have of that Chris Bosh comparison is the postgame. Which, to be fair, kind of irrelevant in most of this NBA. So, just want to say for those out there, if you want to go back and hear our draft takes, episodes 79, 80, and 81 is where we, we talked about those. So the receipts are there. Um, you'll, you'll hear Ethan talking about Chris Bosh when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr., and you'll probably also hear me talk about how I coached against him. Okay. Um, so, Jaron Jackson, you would take him. I, I don't know if I would, again, just because of the difficulties that you've mentioned, you know, some of the foul-prone nature uh, of him. And, uh, and 
with, with him just being injured right now, we're not really able to see him continue to progress. But that whole Memphis team is injured. And you saw when he went out in the bubble, that team really had no chance. Um, and Because he's good. Well, they also didn't have depth. You know, they didn't have that depth. They were already down Justice Winslow and other, you know, so like they've, they've been bitten by the injury bug over there in Memphis. We love I that. I could team. argue the Hawks somebody. didn't have a chance with Trey Young all last year. <laughs> so and he played DeAndre Ayton. Elkin, what do you, what are your thoughts about DeAndre Ayton? I was, I think, first of all, I like, I like his game and what he's been developing into. I got a chance to just been watching the Phoenix Suns play a lot this season Obviously, his stats are down this year compared to previous year. I mean, last year was 18. I mean, really, when I talk about stats, I really just mean scoring. Because shooting-wise, he's shooting a lot better. He's more efficient besides free throw. But for me, he's pretty much putting up almost the same numbers all across the board except for scoring. But he's a guy that, as I've been watching him, and he gets more comfortable in that offense because I think that's one of the things he's trying to figure out this year with a Chris Paul in there, getting more comfortable with him. I think it's more comfortable. I think we're going to see that scoring take care of itself. But the games that I watch, he's becoming more comfortable going out more to the middle of the floor, shooting that mid-range jumper. That's something I really like from him. He's going to give you solid rebound pretty much every night. Like He's a guy who, in his in his future, I mean, this makes sense, the tier that we put him in, solid starter. Like He's a guy who I do expect him to go back to like 18 points, and he's probably going to be able to give you about 18 and 10 for like almost his entire career of, of leading up through his prime. Like, he's a guy that's going to be a guaranteed double-double almost every night because of how big he is in his size. He's going to get in there. And I think defensively, too, I know that was one of the worries, him coming in, like, defensively, is he going to know where to be at? He's definitely gotten a lot better. He's more foul-prone this year. That is one thing. But I really like what I'm seeing him. Now, comparing him to one Jaron Jackson Jr., if they're both healthy, I would still go for Jaron Jackson Jr., if we're, if we're comparing him to Jaron Jackson Jr. But right now where I look at it is he's a guy where you're looking at a sure double-double, and I can see him even being 20 and 10, like scoring even more. But what do you think, Richard? I mean, for me, the question is, all right, so so he's, his, he's not scoring as many points, but he's even more efficient, you could argue. I mean, he's just taking less shots, and, and Chris Paul being there as opposed to, um, you know, Ricky Rubio. You know, so, like, while, while Chris... Chris Paul is not taking a million shots. He's still trying to facilitate and work. Like, just overall, there are less shots that he's taking, and he's doing okay in them. The question is, is just, what does he bring to the table that I can, like, I feel like I can find more in a replacement level big doing the things that DeAndre Ayton does than I can with trying to find a replacement level person to replace Jaron Jackson Jr. He's just so, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just so unique in the way that, that he plays. Like, um, I mean, we, we talk about like Poku being like this prospect, a bit a big who can shoot and spread the floor and move kind of like, like Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of doing some of those things, being able to um, shoot off of movement, um, being able to, uh, you know, be this long and, and moving quicker, moving better than, than obviously Poku does. But the the type of player that Jaron Jackson Jr. is is way different, and so in my mind that that becomes a little bit more valuable because it's harder to find. And where DeAndre Ayton, it's like okay, well I I, I feel like I could put another center on that team 
of less no, you know, less future money whenever they have to pay him. Um, then, because if, if you look at it, is DeAndre Ayton going to accept anything less than the max from from the Suns? I don't think so. But am I wanting to pay DeAndre Ayton the max? I mean, I went through the Andre Drummond experience, and while I enjoy Andre Drummond, the I mean, un- until I see a little bit more from DeAndre Ayton, I, I don't know. I, and so, like, he's going to be a solid starter, but it, do I really want to be paying a solid starter the max? I know this might not be the best comparison, but he's the guy who should accept almost like an extension like uh, Miles Turner or Sabonis accepted when they got those their extensions. Like, between, like, that 18, 20 million range, like, not the full max, but, like, 100%. Like, I think that, that that's a fair range. But the problem is you're the number one pick. And you're playing well. You're, you're a part of going to be a part of a winning situation there in Phoenix this year. I mean, you're, you're, you're asking for it and probably expecting it. If he ever can shoot the three, like, let's just say 33%, this guy's Nikola Vucevic. That's what he's. That's what he's. His career is destined to be, and that's why I would say maybe push him up to the All Star, like future, like All Star thing. He's right there. Him and Jaron Jackson Jr. both for me. I understand that. I probably just like Bigs more than everyone else in the world. That's just probably my thing. Um, and I just wanted to get that out there that I think he's he's just a, like a credible three point shot, like thirty three percent, which I think he's capable of from being a like Nikola Vucevic, which is definitely in the starter, solid starter, and I think is harder to replace. And also, he's very big. Like he rebounds so well, defensive rebounding isn't is is kind of a loser stat, but it is important because you have to secure the rebound. Elgin, I know you got to be getting out of here soon. We need to get that Marvin Bagley defense up here. Um, me and Richard don't like him very much. Um, I I, I I classify him as a culture candidate down there in uh the tier four, and Richard put him in small print to uh to just be mean spirited. I'm not <laughs> like that. I am hoping that the Heat sign him when he's available at the minimum or whatever he can get. But regardless, Elgin, we're not big fans of this guy. He's a lot, a lot of holes in his game. Um, you, you're the stand. You got to be his stand right now. I'll say this: he does have a lot of holes in his game, but he's a guy who, and this is something that I think many people agree with, might disagree with, maybe. I think he's just in the wrong location. That's why Ethan brought up he's a culture candidate. Whereas you look at him when he started off. I mean, he starts off pretty much 14 and seven like two years in a row and his shooting is definitely his efficiency has dropped down getting into this year, even though he's shooting better from three point. But last year he was just completely injury prone. We're going to, we're not going to bring up what his dad really said. We don't need to bring that up right now and all that's going on with the second, but he's a guy I think that needs a change of sooner because I think he still has talent. He's athletic. He can run the floor. He can be a five in this league. What I see it is though, they're really focused on putting him at a four because we know the Kings have signed all sorts of centers. Just keep putting a center next to him. But if he can get comfortable and become comfortable as a five, I think there's a guy who he may never reach an all-star, but he's a guy who will give you, I think, solid numbers, a double-double, can run the floor, and I think he can definitely spread out and be more consistent with the three, and I'll be happy with that, given his uh, free throw percentage. I don't know what happened. Definitely went down. But that's how I feel about him. That's the last thing I want to bring up before the slander begins when you guys get down to uh, to Tier 4. As they decided, by the way, to our listeners, decided to put him in small print at the bottom of Tier 4, which hurts me to hear them and to see them do that to him. But that's the last thing I want I did, to bring I did up. what I did. I did what I did. Shameful. It's shameful. That's what it is. Oh, 
man. Uh, well, th th thank you, thank you. I don't know if you want to stay on for for this next part as we slander Marvin Bagley, or if you're gonna head off now. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. Okay, he's gone. So. He left. He's out of here. <laughs> he he. His heart can't take it. It's, it's just he's he's too sensitive of a soul for for the slander we have for Marvin Bagley. Richard, you're you're yet more slanderous than me, so I will definitely give you the floor for the the slander. So here's what happened. I was I was on on my exercise bike, watched the basketball um, this past week, uh, and as I was watching um, a Kings game, watching Marvin Bagley, I, I texted Ethan. I was like, Ethan, can you please like just explain to me Marvin Bagley? Can can, can you like put some sort of like I don't know, help me feel better about him and 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 put put forth an argument because right now. I don't see a reason why he, like, I don't get it. I don't, like, I haven't gotten it from the beginning. I was out on him from the get-go, and I, I get feel a little bit validated in that opinion. I, I hope it works out, but when it came down to it, for me, it's like, I don't think that he becomes what was envisioned until, here's where I agree with Elkin, he needs to move. He needs a different change of scenery, and if he's able to get to a different location, different place, then perhaps some some of this can be can be salvaged. But I just look at him and like I thought about putting him in tier five, but you guys were like, yeah, you know, he should be in tier four, and that was fine. And then I, I that was when I retaliated and put him in small print. Um, for me, I just I just don't see what he's able to bring you. I, I view him as just a um, a big who's very left hand dominant at the rim, can't really give you. Um, can't really give you much in the way of uniqueness. Like if he was a better passer, then you could do some things where you put him at the top of the key, but we've yet to see some of that. Um, I don't think he could defend bigger fives. We looked in, but Christian Wood can't defend bigger fives, but the world is loving Christian Wood. I don't think we've seen him be able to spread it out on the perimeter uh, as, as of yet. And so it's like, well, what is he going to bring and give me if he's not, I don't view him as a, as a good defender and I don't, so I, it's, what does he bring him? What does he do? And and that's just kind of where I'm left at the moment, Ethan. Yeah. Well, so well, let's think, let's do think about the things he does do well, which is, and like, it might not even be a full gambit of things. Like he might not have one thing that like he gets to completion, but he, ha okay. He's an athletic, he's an athletic guy. He's definitely bouncy. Um, I think he's pretty laterally quick. I just think he just doesn't know how to move defensively to kind of hone that. Like I feel like he actually has the movement ability, but he, he's he's not he's not he doesn't have the predictive nature to actually like you know keep up with some of these guys. So like I was gonna say, okay, bouncy and defensive potential. Like okay, well at the end of the day, Derek Jones Jr. Right, but he doesn't have like Derek Jones Jr. does have some pretty good ball instincts that he is able to guard you know, versatile people. He's just too skinny. So, but like, I wanted to kind of put that out into the ether as like offensively, take some threes, be an alley-oop threat. Defensively though, he's going to have to guard bigger people because unless he learns how to like kind of have some predictive na nature to his game, he's going to keep being exposed at the four. And I still think he's not just like, he's not the Bam type of athlete where he's like, he's a lanky strong. He's not a, like, Bam's also lanky, but Bam is a strong dude. Like he doesn't really have a fun like the functional athleticism to be the tra a traditional five nor a, sh a stretch five, 
and it just kind of puts him in a precarious situation, which is why, and I want to explain the joke to people, the culture candidate thing is a whole, like, oh, if he played for the Miami Heat, he'd be great, which is what I always say, you know, it's just, it's it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of been bared out by some players that we'll, we'll talk about later, and, like, if, if he was in Miami, playing the Derrick Jones Jr. role from last year, with maybe some more, like, you know, spot minutes at the five, instead of, you know, we have pressure to Chua now, but instead of Kelly Olenek or Myers Leonard, I, I could see a situation where the key is, you know, the help side rim protector in a drop scheme with the ability to switch, you know, a couple times, few possessions, and it's 10 minutes a game in the playoffs. But you understand what I'm talking about. That's 10 minutes a game I'm talking about. That's not, that's not tier, that's not a rotation player, which is what tier four is. Yeah. His... So we, we should imagine shooting 36% from three this year in this small sample size, two and a half attempts a game. Good. If if that could be a, a thing that is sustainable, that's cool. But I feel like it also needs to be paired with um, passing facilitating. Like if you could put him in something where he's running some dribble handoffs and operating in that realm, it allows for him maybe to, to use some of that athleticism and quickness in attacking the rim from, uh, you know, from the high post, right? Um, some fake dribble handoffs, being able to do some some of that nature, but it would need to be paired with some facilitating, which he has yet to average over one assist a game. His assists per game have gone down um, each year. Same with his blocks. He got one block a game, and then it dropped down, and then it's dropped down even further to begin uh, this season, as his minutes per game are essentially at 25 minutes. So it's... It, I don't know. There, there, there's some things there. There's some questions. I think it, it's just going to require a change of scenery and um, putting him into some of those potentially different roles. And I don't think it's exclusive to Miami. I was thinking about um, da- Dallas as a place with Kristaps as like the, the, the lock-in floor spreader. They're probably going to play a drop um, so he can be a backup to Kristaps in some ways. They, they, the problem is they have so much depth already with Kleba, Dwight Powell and then Bo Bond if if he's gonna keep keep around. That I don't know if there's really a spot for him. But I was, th- I was thinking about teams that run a drop that could use like someone who could like assimilate a little bit of what they get from their starter, and then also play with them because of his athleticism at the rim. But I'm not sure what he's gonna garner in the restricted free agency market. Um, I don't know what the plan is for him. I mean, obviously he really doesn't want to be there, but the nature of restricted free agency is tough. And there's gotta be someone who's willing to offer a contract more than the Kings are willing to match. Um, unless that, that that's where the demanding a trade is actually a, a wise thing. If you actually want to get out of there, otherwise you're going to be locked in for a bit. Or you're going to be playing on a one year uh, qualifying offer, which other than like Greg Monroe has not really happened. And for, to Greg Monroe, it, it did it did work out for him because he got his you know th- uh, three years at like seventeen per um, from the Bucks the following year, so it, it did work out. And, and that was one thing was like I was thinking about stuff like you know somewhere like could somewhere like the Bucks um, be an interesting place for him considering I mean maybe maybe not so much they they got Bobby Portis it looks like they're trying to put more spacing and, and shooting around Giannis maybe that doesn't make quite as much sense but a team that's not really going to have avenues to get younger players on an upward trajectory um they're gonna have to take gambles on some, some people like this so anyways there, there's the top five um we have Barbara Bagley in tier four we will definitely go a little bit quicker as we go through this next 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 five picks Mobamba 
Not on a tier. Not on a tier. Couldn't even couldn't even put him on tier five, Ethan. Sad. Didn't feel I didn't feel good about it. <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr., tier four. And that might have been semi-generous. We just don't want to give up on him. He hasn't really shown tons, but he's at least in a rotation on an NBA team. So it's just will he be going forward if he doesn't put together a better season this year? I, I, I think no matter what, he's a backup big if uh, if everything falls through in Chicago. I, I think he's – I think you could really, like, hone in on a couple things he does well and put him in a very uh, distinctive role that could okay. then get him paid a year later. You know, like it, he, he's a qualifying offer candidate um, to just to get out of Chicago if, if he continues to struggle there. Very true. Um, the next one. Uh, actually, we'll go with, with the next three real quick. Colin Sexton, we'll talk about him in a moment. Kevin Knox is barely hanging on into your five. Um, still there, a culture candidate, as Ethan would say. Um, and then we have Mikal Bridges. Now, uh, Mikal Bridges, I put in tier three. Solid starter, right? He's got arms for days. He can stand at midcourt and touch both sidelines. Um, he, you know, defensively, He's exactly what he dropped 34 points, I believe, like yesterday. So that's cool. Um, and you got him basically as the prototypical three and D guy. And uh, for me, that puts him solidly in um, tier three. You're going to be a solid starter. You're going to be, I mean, again, helpful for a Phoenix team this year. And then we had Colin Sexton, whom I. You, it, there was a little bit of push pre-pod to maybe think about putting him in tier three, and I wasn't having it. Um, I don't know if, uh, again, above average starter. I don't think he's there. He's a point guard, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you consider him a combo guard. Maybe it's a two guard type of thing. But uh, like, he's he's not in the top half for me. But m- maybe maybe I'm being a little bit too slanderous. Um, I, I did apologize to Colin Sexton before last last you know last pod so let it be clear let it be known but for me i just think he's a rotation guy um at at the moment yeah he's he's in that tier of like guards who's gonna start most places you go but he's also probably not gonna be the guy leading that team's to playoff success he will like if he's playing on a good team like let's say if he played like if you slid him in on the lakers right now would he start over dennis schroeder Maybe I don't know. It's Maybe. possible, but those guys are interchangeable, and I wouldn't put Dennis Schroeder as a solid starter, as he just was, you know, a six man of the year candidate. That's that's kind of Sexton's current trajectory. Like if you give him the volume, he's going to score. But if if you cut back his volume, maybe he'll be a little bit more efficient. Um, maybe he could, you know, drive six, an incredible bench unit. That, that's where I see it. I, so I don't disagree with that. The reason Mikel Bridges is a solid starter is because he right now he's a starting three. Right, he's a six-six, so a little undersized, technically speaking, for the three. You play him with if, if he's on a team with LeBron James and Kevin Durant, he's the starting two. Like, like you know, what I'm saying, like you, you play him with a team like with Devin Booker, he's the starting three. He's got so much versatility that he's never. Not, I I can't imagine him on a team where defense is so much more valuable in a starting lineup than off the bench because most people start their best offensive players. He can guard anyone that's not seven feet tall, and Kevin Durant. He can he can try you know but no yeah, one can guard like, Kevin Durant. We know it can guard him. The arms are going to at least go and he'll be they'll be in the visual that Kevin Durant has. So right. Um, and, and with that in mind, like Mikel Bridges will start on every team in the NBA. Is he technically maybe a top 
half of the league starter. He might not be because of how rangy his starting position would be. But he starts on every team, and that's where I will make the distinction. But it's also like, who who out there in the 3 and D role? I mean, you look at Mikhail Bridges right now. He's shooting um, an unsustainable 46% from three. Um, a lot of spacing on that team nowadays. A lot of spacing on the team. But he shot he shot 36% from three last year. He's, he's doing it on six attempts per game this year. My goodness. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. But um, I also ask, like, who in the 3 and D mold, as a, just a 3 and D player, which everyone is looking for, is better than him? The I silence mean, could, is, uh, you're, you're, yeah. you're getting to like the Jalen Brown almost, like, but he's like, you know, an all-star. <laughs> right, and, and so so by that, that point, we're, we're, we've bridged the gap into like, yeah, we, we, we bridge it. So for me, that's, why, that's what puts him here. I think he's one of the best in his role, and the next step for him would be to be able to do more on the offensive end, which, which would then put him into the um, all-star tier. So that's why I have him here. Um, yeah. I don't think he's ever going to get his, uh, I don't think so either. That, that, that aspect of it, but man, the Sixers have to be sick. The Sixers have to be sick. I know. Right. I mean, although maybe he would have been somewhere else by now. Cause like he would have been drafted before all the trades for Tobias Harris and, uh, Ah. And uh, Jimmy Butler, so he might be somewhere else by now. So it might have worked out for him in the in the long run. That's that's fair. Yeah, the the, re- the reason why Zaire Smith wasn't because he just wasn't good enough, and no one else wanted him to take him back. So he had a, okay. he had a staff infection. It would have been risky. Would have been risky. Um. Okay. Um. So there there's there's that. Let's get to our next uh five picks. Number eleven, SGA. Shay Gildas Alexander, who. Uh, we'll talk about it in a moment, but is in tier two, which is, which is, which is interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll flush that out in a little bit. We have Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges found himself comfortably in tier four. Jerome Robinson, not in a tier. Michael Porter Jr. to round out the lottery. Got him in tier two, all-star tier. SGA, Michael Porter Jr. We'll talk about in a minute, in a minute, in the all-star tier, which, which is, which is a curious decision which takes a little bit of projections, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk. And then, and then finally Troy Brown jr. Who is uh, in tier five. He's, he's on, you know, the wizards who, trying to he might be their best defensive player. Could be, I, I would say, <laughs> but that um, team's so bad at defense. Someone, it doesn't someone else we're going to mention Isaac Bonga might be yeah. better than him. His good, teammate good also point. in tier five. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, out there so there we go um let's talk about SGA and Michael Porter Jr. because it could be argued that this is too high considering what they've been able to do thus far in their career this probably takes a little bit more projection and I mean SGA running one of the worst teams in the league played on a playoff team last year and if we just don't worry about that um, playoff series, which I, I don't want to put too much stock in, small sample size. Yeah, he played very well as- alongside Chris Paul. Michael Porter Jr., arguably the best um, uh, trade chip that's out there, uh, the, the, the best current prospect that's you know still on that rookie scale deal that someone would want to trade for that, that is potentially tradable. Like, Luka Doncic, not going to be traded. So, like, let's be clear about that. Uh, also on a rookie scale contract. 
Michael Porter could be. And so since you could trade him, for, for me thinking here, like if you were to make him available for a trade, you could get um, perhaps an all-star level person back. Like the Bradley Beal discussions, the James Harden trade discussions, uh, you know, you have to at least mention Michael Porter Jr. as one of the, hey, if they send Michael Porter Jr. and some matching salary and some draft picks, does that do it? And, and, and so since he's in that discussion with that potential, for me, that's why he falls into this tier because you might be able to get a all-star level person back. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a little too optimistic. But what do you think? I don't think it is. Because I think if he played on a worse team, he'd score a lot more points. Okay. If you if he you had Michael Ford Jr. with no restrictions, you know, chains off, let him run. Like I mean, and, and Mike Malone loves putting some chains on that guy. Like just like no, shoot these shots only, right? Like I don't know how it, like he takes such difficult shots sometimes, Richard. I don't know if his efficiency would dip that much if you just gave him all the volume in the world. Like let's say if if you swapped him and Bridges is uh life situations and he was on Charlotte last year like can you tell can you guarantee me he doesn't score 24 points per game last year just going out there and clipping he's scoring almost 20 points a game this year in four attempts four games we also should be mentioned he is in the COVID protocols um which close contact who never knows not not much information coming out but that's tough but I mean you saw the increase in minutes last year from 16 minutes a game to this year nearly doubling that up at 29 and his efficiency has gotten better shooting 67 percent effective field goal percentage compared to 59 percent last year so he's but it just goes along with the thing that you're saying yeah so playing with the nuggets helps him because Jokic gets him so many wide open looks like open threes open layups like he, he he doesn't have to work as hard for some of his scoring but when he does take difficult shots I don't have any fear. Like I see him t- like all those shots in the bubble he took last year. Where, like the guy he pump fakes, like kind of sees the shot clock's down to three and's like, if I take this contested three, it's a better shot than we're gonna get with the last three seconds. Boom, takes it, buries it. He's just that good of a scorer, and I, that's why I have to have him in this tier because I think if he played in a situation like Trey Young in Atlanta, he would be out here thriving, doing all kinds of things, and people would you know love him, and. Like, I, I can't I can't look past that. The fact that he plays for a team and plays as an efficient scoring part of a good, really good team, that that's worth that's almost sometimes worth more to me than a guy who's just out there pulling up all these numbers but not affecting winning. Yeah. I yeah I agree. All I, that, fault, but you yeah. know. Yeah. So, so that, that's why that's why he's up up in this spot up in this tier. SGA, um, obviously it's a little bit different. I I like how we have essentially seen SGA play alongside Chris Paul play in a, Hey, we're trying to make the playoffs and playing well enough, but we're also now able to see him on a tanking team, essentially uh, leading and, you know, for seeing all he's doing stats remaining essentially the same. And it makes you for, for people like him, for people like Jeremy Grant as well, who has no real discussion in this, seeing some of the things that they're doing in a context where they are involved in playoff level, we're trying to win basketball, and then seeing them in being successful as well in a situation where they're not part of winning basketball. For me, that gives me a little bit more hope that, you know, for the for some of those guys who 
oh, we haven't really seen them playing on a winning team or things like that. It, it makes me a little more hopeful for some of those guys. Maybe that's where I don't want to slander Trey Young as much just because, hey, it, I, I think that it could be coming. I think that a lot of it has to do with the people we have around him. If we have now a Clint Capella who can who can um, handle some of those things, if we've got the perimeter defenders in uh, Hunter and Reddish and we can put – like maybe it won't be that bad going forward. So I, I like seeing Shea also averaging, you know, 19, 20 points a game, putting together, you know, uh, increasing his assist output, taking on more of that role, right? Up to up, you know, nearly doubling up to seven uh, a game and everything else across the board, rather similar. So I like what he's been able to show in the eight games in OKC and He's also one of those guys where, like, if if they ever wanted to make a trade, you obviously want to pair people with him. But like, I think he could garner um, quite a bit. Might be the most valuable thing that OKC in in the end got back for Paul George. Yeah, I mean, we we have well, you have to see what all the picks turn into because exactly. they're going to be late later but, in the draft. But Shea is so good, and like the thing I wrote down here is. He's solid at defense and can complement every team and every play style. Because I think his three-point percentage is dipping with his volume in- increase because he's he's now the guy who takes them off the dribble. He's now that designated player. Think about in, any of these elite-level scores that you think they're three-point percent. Like Bradley Beal, for example. His three-point percentage is always a little lower than you would expect it to be. Maybe not this year because he scored 60-some-odd points. But it's because Bradley Beal is always the guy. Oh, into the shot clock. I need to get a three off. He's the one who takes it versus, you know, you know, for, for a guy who's going to be in this discussion later, Duncan Robinson's always getting set up for a three. He's not out here taking him off the dribble. It'd make more sense that the guy who's having to work a little bit harder, um, one-on-one offense and defense to get a shot is going to drop a little bit in his efficiency, but he's still out here making 34%. It's a credible percentage. A lot of people thought he couldn't shoot at all in the draft. And we're seeing that that was a little overblown. He's just a really good basketball player. Like he, he's big enough that he could start next to a smaller point guard like Chris Paul. He's, he's you know quick and like sl- and, and you know good enough to like you know start next to like you know potentially like a prospect like an Anthony Edwards if he if you were someone he if you like if you're someone who likes him like he can play next to anybody and help anyone get better and that's why I love about him so much. Here's the here's the only potential pushback. What if this what we're seeing last year and this year is his ceiling? I mean. He, he's essentially, his efficiency outputs are basically the same as last year. 19 points a game, right? Um, scoring on, on similar efficiencies, slightly worse from three, slightly better from two, right? I, what, what, if, what if this is it? Then if that's it, then then we might have to, like, bump him down a tier. Like, I think that the way or he has... Him, <laughs> or send him east. <laughs> Mike Conley never made an all-star team, and that's who, that's who I've always, like, kind of compared him to. I, I I just look at I just look at Shea and like <clears throat> what he's been putting out has probably been solid starter level kind of situation. Maybe even if you wanted to be a little bit harsher at the very top of the rotation tier, but um, like I, I'm I'm just saying as far um, as what he's put what he, he's played and 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 put out so far. He is the one-two guard version of the Mikael Bridges two-three, in, in my opinion. Like but I, he's I can in think that, of so many people who he, do a better job. That's the thing I, uh, uh, at his role. 
but it's a completely different role. He's actually driving the offense, not just catching and shooting. And, and the, the thing is that there's other people who drive the offense who can do a, who, who, who do a better job of, of that particular role, which is I, I'm probably being a little. But it's a little bit more of an important role, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but if there's people that are better than it, that, than, than that person at it, like when I view Charlotte Charters, it's like top half of the league. I, I don't know. I, I just think that, that at, at the point guard position, because it's there's so many people there, there's there's so many people who, who do that, who who are able to do that type of thing. It, it just makes it a little more difficult for for the just because just just based off of the numbers. I disagree. Fair enough. I think I think thus far he's probably put together solid starter. Um, yeah, no, the the, the all star thing is 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 the uh, the rosy that... rose colored fashion mm-hmm. rose I can't speak rose colored glasses yeah. version of Shea, but like there's no way I could put him like if he's if he's in tier three like he's he's the top of it yeah and I know it's a tier but yeah. the fact that he like all the versatility stuff we talk about with Mikael Bridges is there with Shea and he can drive the offense he's not as good of a catch and shoot guy. But he, I mean, career-wise, he is. Um, but he's not, he he can drive the offense, and that's so much more valuable to me. Yeah, I, again, this is just the how many people are there to do a role, and and that's where that that's where that comes in. But we should talk about the other person. I was trying to talk about him for a while. The last person in to be mentioned in tier three, solid starter, Duncan Robinson, went undrafted. So we would take a while to get to him. We should talk about him now. Uh, future greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, absolutely. For, got had the least amount of games to get the 300 makes. That's pretty good. So I mean, I, I, sky's the limit for this guy. He's just going to keep getting better and better. He might, maybe one day he'll be credible at defense, and he'll just be the, the greatest player of all time. We never know. Oh man, yeah. It's just like with him, obviously the type of threes he's taking. Like we 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 jokingly throw out you know future greatest shooter of all time. Obviously Steph Curry uh, takes that mantle. The types of threes that Steph shoots. You know, throw the added extra difficulty where Duncan is taking things off the off the catch, off the handoff, um, and, and that's what he's getting. His shots are created for dribble. him. Yeah, yeah. So like, as opposed to Steph creating his own. But in that type of a role, he's one of the best, and and he probably will will be one of the best ever in that particular um, role in that top tier. And it's just the you know, can he? On the defensive end, can he get to that point where where he's less of a liability? Um, him being tall is helpful. Um, being you know in in just, I mean again, you look at like someone like Trey Young, obviously totally different, but like his height limits his defensive potential. In having someone like Duncan Robinson, who's like six seven ish, right, six seven six eight, like. Yeah. That extra size helps him, even if he's a little bit late, to be in the way. I don't know what he can do on the offensive end as far as like an area for improvement because if you begin to try to push more development on that end, you're beginning to push him out of the role that he's currently on. I, I It feels like he's maximized that offensive role. And so I feel like the only real gains you can have for him on the, are on the defensive end. Am, am, I, am I wrong there? No, you're 100% right. I mean, I guess I, – I, I would say think about Clay Thompson, right? Clay Thompson, 
does a lot of the same things Duncan does, but he's good at defense. And so that's that's the that's the peak, right? Is Clay Thompson in this role? Right, and and Clay Thompson. Here's the also thing: he also did a whole lot more in the two in, in two point range. Like you look at Clay Thompson's three point should numbers. He, sh- should he have though? Like arguably, should he have? I I, I mean I, I, I but like you're still able if, if you're able to do more th- um if you're able to do more then it it more ways that you can hurt people. I don't think he was necessarily inefficient in two point range. Um, no, probably not. And so if you can be efficient in three point and two point range, you you make life even more difficult. On defenses, and, and, well, and so, I, but yeah, the I defensive end of it is. I can't remember what, like, it was one of those like synergy stats things, where like Duncan Robinson in every play type was like in the ninety percentile, like volume was low, but anytime he did something, it was in the pick and roll, it was in driving. Anytime he did something, granted, a lot of it, it's, it's, it's because they did they, he he drove because they closed out so hard, but he was like. L- in the excellent category of every offensive like scoring metric because mm-hmm. of how good he is as a catch and shoot and dribble handoff three point shooter. So like I hear you what you're saying about about Clay like being a little bit more versatile in his offensive game. But like I don't know, like how much of that is attributed to Stephen Curry as well. I think Clay's a better player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to suggest anything otherwise. I mean, in group chats, I have I have notably gone in and and said things like, "Hey, um, you know, drop dr- drop bombs in, like c- comparing the two, and, and you know, saying that Clay Thompson has never had as good of a, a three point shooting season as Duncan Robinson did last year." True statement, by the way. But at the same time, you look and see, well, Duncan Robinson's two point attempts are at like one point uh, at one a game, where whereas you look at Clay Thompson's historically has been taking up near nine or 10 at reasonable efficiency. So it's, you look at, for for, for me, his mold has been more in the Kyle Corver-esque type mold rather than the Clay Thompson mold offensively. And so I guess that's potentially a thing that, uh, an area for development. But I think that the most important thing is the defensive end because if you're able to provide that that jump on the defensive end. I mean, he in the regular season, he's able to provide about 30 minutes per game, right? About 30 minutes per game, and that's that's helpful. Those numbers begin to dwindle just a little bit more in the playoff games, especially in certain matchups. And so I Duncan Robinson's playoff minutes are the same as his regular season minutes, by the way. Uh, a little, little bit less, a little bit less, just a little. And I, I think of like certain matchups where, in like the first couple of games against the Lakers, twenty, yeah, like 20, 27, 21, it increased a little bit at the end, like because he was he was on fire. Mm-hmm. I if if he's so so like for me if I should see more of him in the playoffs if he if he can uh, defend at a high level, not be fouling and other, all of those things. So if you put defense away, take it off the board. If you look at all the ignore half, guys, ig- ignore ignore half of the I'm, NBA I'm, game. Richard, we know Clay Thompson's a better defender than Duncan. We know this. Yes. We don't oh, have to yeah. talk about oh, it yeah. anymore. Oh yeah. Career field goal percentage, Duncan and Clay Thompson exactly the same. Career three point percentage, Duncan forty three point three, Clay forty one point nine. Oh, yeah. Career two point percentage, Duncan. 
attempts. We got, has to have attempts because he t- again, Clay Thompson is doing you know shooting about uh, about fifty percent, taking right. nine attempts per game. So. How about effective field goal percentage? Duncan Robinson, sixty five percent. It's gonna again, it's gonna skew. Um, well, sounds like one's more efficient than the other, there, Richard. Okay, efficient, but again, you you could find efficiencies. Doesn't mean that a player is very better than another player. Um, I I have never said Duncan's better than Clay. No, I I understand. Okay, or, 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 the, or those um uh quotation marks that you just made with your finger. The listeners can't see it, but like, <laughs> what's that wink that you're giving me, Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna always I'm gonna stand Duncan Robinson until I'm not allowed to anymore. No, you're allowed to. You're allowed to. Um, we can uh, yeah. we can move on though. We can move on. Okay, we'll we'll try to go a little bit quicker because that that gets all the people in tier one. Tier two and tier three, so now we're just it at rotation and yeah. And I, I think at this point, let's just let's just go through everyone that's in this tier, and then we can pick a couple guys if we want to highlight. Because I think okay. everyone knows for the most part what these guys do. Yeah. Um. It generically, and if there's guys we think have the chance to move up or down. Okay. Tier four, we already mentioned Colin Sexton, Dante Divincenzo, and they're currently he's playing really well, but he's he's uh, he is a starter. He's but a starter. He's doesn't he's not the top half as you like to say yep uh lonnie walker gary Trent jr wendell carter jr we mentioned him Devontae graham miles bridges javon carter jalen brunson aaron holiday lady shamit grayson allen josh Akogi, um uh, kevin herter mitchell robinson d'anthony melton and then tiny print marvin bagley um uh, so those are the rotation level guys um, in no particular order, uh, in a little bit of an order. We mentioned Colin, we put Colin Sexton up at the top as we were, cause you know, he was the first one as we were kind of thinking about this, but, but it, it quickly devolves into no particular order. Um, so what's interesting is I, obviously Dante DiVincenzo, I think has probably the most important role out of all of these people playing on a team with championship aspirations, being the only guy other than Giannis on that team who's on an upward trajectory as far as his um, uh, career goes. And you look at how he's playing, shooting 47%, although all of those Milwaukee numbers, I think, are a little bit skewed by that ridiculous three-point shooting game against the Miami Heat. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost – I almost want to, like, remove he's that He's a career game. 34% shooter. Yeah, so career 34%, but, but showing – um, improvements in the right direction. If if that number drops down to just being, um, I don't know, thirty eight percent, then we're talking about a legitimate, um, you know, a le- legitimate piece that's very valuable for that particular team. Um, he needs to become that if they're going to be a championship level team this year. Considering you know they they moved on from, uh, you know, they they, they moved on from like a George Hill who shot really well. From, from three last year. They moved on. Um, I, I, I guess I don't really want to mention... Um, I mean, they got, they got Drew Holiday to, to, to replace the, uh, the... The point guard minutes. I'm, I'm blanking. Eric Bledsoe minutes. So, like, I don't want to necessarily mention Bledsoe. But he's got to be the guy who improves for them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I took the liberty of just kind of sort... Because this is a... In this tier, it's kind of important that you be a really good defender or a three-point shooter. One of the yeah. two, right? That's how you stay in a rotation. And so I took the liberty of just sorting this draft class by um, 
three-point percentage, just to kind of show where some delineations are. And Gary Trent Jr. and Lonnie Walker, for example, they're both they're they're, they're both shooting over 40% for their career out of this draft class. The only other two people, or only three people, there's only three, or no, there's five people do it, but there's only three people that are in the league that do it, and it's Michael Porter Jr., Gary Trent, and Lonnie Walker. Landry Schmidt barely outside that group. He's shooting 39 for his career. Kevin Herter at 80, uh, 38. And then it's a big drop down to the couple of these point guards. Um, Grayson Allen, 36. Devontae Graham, 35. Brunson, 35. And Dante DiVincenzo down at 34. But I think it's important just to keep in mind, that's the kind of the, the, the mark of be, sticking around and being in a rotation, is being able to shoot the three or being able to guard the people really hardcore. I guess Javon Carter and Aaron Holiday, and I somehow missed them. They're at 37 and 36, respectfully. That's where it comes down to it. Javon Carter right here, shooting 37% for his career from three and being a credible point guard defender. It's one of those things, like, does he have any any upward trajectory um, despite his age being a little older than you would think? Some of the people who you've not mentioned in that broad sweeping statement that may or may not be totally true, like Miles Bridges, not really doing either of them super well like not not being a phenomenal defender not being a great three-point shooter uh and then then the bigs obviously Mitchell Robinson and Marvin Bagley really aren't I mean Mitchell Robinson you could mention like being a defender right Uh, rim protector but those might that might even be a little bit overblown yeah I still think like that's the premise of like that's how you stay in this tier though right Mm -hmm. is that you got to do one of those things pretty well and i guess like if you can kind of middle middle line it like miles bridges has that's your other exception like wendell Carter jr for example he's a pretty solid defender um has health problems more than anything else josh Kogi, really good defender bad shooter everyone else and dante melton really good defender bad shooter mitchell robinson um definitely defensive potential is going to keep him around um definitely not a shooter miles bridges is really the only person in this list that mm-hmm. Is kind of middle line it. I would I would dare say Dante Divincenzo is kind of middle line it as a career, though this year has been a little bit. He's shown a little bit more on the shooting end um, in terms of consistency. He was really bad his rookie season though, so that has to be thought of as well. He played yeah, a lot I mean, his rookie season. but you know, playing in a rotation, obviously with the help you have with of having the defensive player of the year, Giannis, and also a very good defensive player um, in Brook Lopez at the rim, you could be a little like your defensive numbers are probably going to be pretty nice if you're playing with yeah. those guys. And and so... And he's a hustler. He's a, he hustles I mean, around. Get, you can be more aggressive in, in that type of situation, too. Um, yeah, look, looking at this, it, it seems as though that's, that's really the realm. I'm looking at guys here in this realm who might be able to jump up into the next one. And I think you mentioned Colin Sexton, Donovan DiVincenzo. Perhaps Lonnie Walker, the defensive questions are there, as well as the how many guys can you possibly fit into that San Antonio guard rotation? Like, that's a question. But then that that Gary Trent Jr., um, for, for me, like, that that's a sneaky one, where if, if he can, again, be that credible 3 and D type of guy, then, and do, do so consistently as a starter, you know, alongside a team with playoff aspirations, like, that's... For me, that's how you can get up into that um, into, into that tier above. And think if he had Mikael Bridges' arms, he might be starting for this Blazer team. But he he's not he doesn't have that defensive versatility to, to warrant yeah. that forty percent three point shooting on court. And I mean, I I picked Stoss for coach of the year this year, and I think he's done a horrible job by playing Carmelo Anthony all this time, and yeah. by playing in this canter all this time. But you know that's just me. But like I I look at Gary Trent and I'm like, okay, well if he was anywhere but 
you know, Portland or Washington or Houston, all these teams with like two, you know, notable, really solid guards, would he be starting based on the fact that he can shoot threes like few people in this league? Yeah, probably. And p- part of what you're seeing as well might be um, a sly attempt for the Portland Trailblazers to, to limit uh, his, it, it, you know, the, the, the salary got, got assigned at the end of the season type of things, which he should be, he should be playing bigger minutes than he is. I'm just saying he's got that uh he's got that generational money. He 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 he's a player. He's a uh qualifying offer candidate if I've ever seen one. Like, hey, I will play one more year for you and then I'm going to get my bag from someone who values me cuz yeah. th- this is this is one of the, the rare times I've seen the Blazers kind of like well, almost just well, to be clear, value someone that they've invested in. Uh, but here's here's the thing, to be clear, they might have offered them him as much as they possibly could. I think I think that that's that's a legitimate like I, the problem is being a second round pick, you are limited um, in how much I'm, you can. I'm not he, talking. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about an extension. I'm not talking about just giving him the opportunity to go out and earn the bag from anywhere. Right now, they're suppressing his value. Yeah, I mean, it's a blatant attempt. They're suppressing their win percentage and his value at the same time. What a terrible thing to do. I mean, it's, it's a mistake. They need to figure that out. But I mean, yeah, they'll. I I think that they'll probably match. There's gonna be some team out there this year who's gonna gonna well, throw some some bag that he'll. You have to match because you you can trade him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like oh Just they overpaid him. Match. <laughs> I mean think about Alan Crab right. Alan Crab still got traded later. That's kind of what his career trajectory is right now. If yeah. he doesn't get be- if he gets a little bit better defense, he can avoid that. Yep. All right. Well, th- there's that. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, uh, some of these guys have gotten. Um, their pay already because they were second round guys didn't sign for quite as long and they already got that um they already got a little, little bit of that money um the, the anthony melton i'm looking at you uh mm-hmm. javon carter looking at you a little bit got, got 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 some smaller money but got some money um yeah kevin uh, Herter's a guy that i'm interested in like yeah. I, I, his shot hasn't been as good as you would think and it's not just because he's a white fella but like at the end of the day, it's just like he everything looks so good about his game, but the the efficiency hasn't quite been there. Yeah. And I I wonder, I wonder if that's, I, I, in some ways, Richard, I wonder if he's more efficient playing with Trey Young than he would be elsewhere because of how much attention Trey Young gar, gar, uh, takes, or if because the team's been bad, he could be more efficient because he get he he was getting second tier, um, off uh, defensive attention when he shouldn't be getting that much attention. Well, I, I mean, he's it, he's a guy it, I'm keeping a, a close eye on. He doesn't make any defensive sense next to Trey Young, so get him out of there. Well, um, no, no, no tier tier five players. Um, Kendrick Nunn. You know, again, th- th- this one is maybe isn't in the no, league. This too is much the tier longer could be called the culture candidate. <laughs> the culture candidate. Culture um, candidates. <clears throat> That's what this tier is now called. So be on the lookout. Miami has has a little bit of space, and Giannis is staying put. So keep keep that in mind this offseason. Um, keep it in mind. Kendrick Nunn, Robert Williams, the Time Lord himself. But you got, you, got, you know we've referred to his Time Lord for so long. You got to know his real name, Robert Williams. Shake Milton, Bruce Brown, Steve McIluke, Anthony Simons, Kevin Knox, Chandler Hutchison. Troy Brown Jr., Isaac Bonga, and then in tiny print, because I wasn't having it, Hamadou Diallo. 
Why do you hate athleticism, Richard? I just we're we're we're, we're think about the team that you're on, right? And is like if if he wasn't on the Oklahoma City Thunder, not starting games, getting only twenty minutes like a game, is he on that team? Is he really on? Like, could he make other? Would he make other people's rosters? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced. So that was why yeah, I was if, a little bit. If he wasn't precisely um, Sam Presti's kryptonite in terms of yeah. draft selection, I, oh, it's I, fair. I get it. Uh, his his athletic, like just just like his body, like the way he can move, it, it's a little too much for me to give up on. He definitely can't shoot though. Let me also Bad say. Shooter. Let me also say, future Detroit Piston right there. Troy Weaver probably had his had his name all over that pick as well. So. Future Detroit, Detroit yeah. Piston, Hamidou Diallo, Sue. I will delete this when you're on the actual uh, team, but the slander is going to be there for now. Um, yeah. The one person we didn't mention that I want to throw in there, but it's been such a small sample size that it's not fair to mention him. Like if if, if Hamidou Diallo gets a small print, it's not fair to give this guy the <laughs> the regular print. Is Jared Vanderbilt had a, had a few fun games here with Carl Anthony Towns not playing. I think showed that he can definitely be a defensive menace in this in this league and as the athleticism like you play like he's literally playing like he next to Nikola Jokic would have been a perfect pairing but they were a little too good for him to get minutes and currently down's a perfect pairing because he's also a shooter Jared Vanderbilt playing next to a shooting center I like it a lot let's see if it uh per- continues this season there is currently slander for Michigan uh, alum Mo Wagner because he's still on a roster but couldn't crack the tier five culture candidate. Um, we already have that Myers Leonard and like Myers Leonard and Kelly. Hey, Linnick. hey, no, the con- the contracts no expire after this year. Maybe you need a new good one. Point. Um, you know what? You know you know what I'm gonna do right here. You gonna type his name in tiny print? No. Oh, regular print, right next to the other wizards on this list. Um, uh, real quick, as we as we as we wrap this up, we're gonna do a few. Um, a few shout outs, you know, sad shout outs to our guys who we, we liked, we enjoyed. You'll probably, you probably would see them on the, on, I think episode 81 where we talked about like other possible lower, um, under the radar draft prospects that we, that we, we liked Elliot Kobo shout out to you. Um, Melvin Frazier, come on, man. Sad again. He the moment he got drafted to Orlando, we were extremely sad. Um, there's probably some post NBA draft recap pod. I think that's episode 82. I don't even know if it's on there, um, but it probably was uh, because we were we were sad about that. Like that makes no sense. It's the worst. I mean, it makes sense that what, John Hammond want him, would want him, but but it didn't work out. It was it was tough. Um, I- I feel like Jerome Robinson makes this list because he got drafted too high. Like we didn't want him to go 13th, but I remember us. We talked about his his offensive game at Boston College as being kind of like maybe sixth Manny uh, if he could really develop. So, but I think you know let's let's say like like a, a, the example I brought up was if we swapped him and and um, where is he at? I'm forgetting his name. Landry Shamet. If we swapped their draft position, where Landry Shamet got drafted high. 
and he got drafted low, would we be like, would Jerome Robinson feel like a better prospect still in Washington right now? Like, would we feel better about him as a player? Like, oh, I've seen something happen there. I don't know. But at the end of the day, he hasn't been good. And we we, we talked about him in a pre in a draft. I don't think pod. I was super strong. I don't think I had super strong feelings about him. So well, I'll tell you one thing: we were wrong about. I know this: we were wrong about Josh Akogi's Akogi's offensive ability. <laughs> we thought yeah. he was going to be a lot better at offense than he has been. We did. His three point shooting has progressively gotten worse. Um, he shot, you know, like three point percent is like ah, oh, he shot twenty eight percent. Yeah, it's like maybe he'll improve after the rookie season. Twenty six percent. Yeah, maybe he'll improve. Currently sixteen percent this year. Uh, defensively, though. He's still in the rotation. He's still cracking the rotation. So, oh, yeah. Hey. That's good, okay. Good basketball player. Just, man, just, did we miss on the offensive. Nice. He hasn't missed a free throw this year. Hey. That's, that's nice. That's nice. One, one a game. He's got 0.0 win shares. But here's the thing. It's like he's shooting. 0.3 games this year. He's improved his free throw percentage like last year. You know, first year, 70, 73%. 80% last year, basically. So, it's like, why isn't it there? Why it makes me a little bit sad. Just a little bit sad. Send him, send him to Portland. Give him the Gary Trent. Uh, him on the Gary Trent roll. Yeah. So he can um, un- uh, keep his value suppressed. Shout out Kyrie Thomas. A little bit sad. Suffered injuries. Pa- pa- paving the way for Tyshawn Alexander. We appreciate you. Um, mm. Let's see. Anyone else we should uh, give give sad shout outs for? I don't think so. I think I think that was. No, I mean I already got my boy with Jared Vanderbilt. He was my he was one of my guys. He was for, he was one of your guys. And huh. I don't think there's anyone else. So I think that's it. Definitely. I mean, for what's worth, I don't know if we ever mentioned it on pod, so there's no receipts for it. But like I I I didn't think Lonnie Walker would go as high as he did. I was really happy for him. But I liked both him and Bruce Brown at at Miami that year. Like I thought I thought Miami was a like a a sneaky. Um, NCAA championship team because of his scoring ability and Bruce Brown's, you know, just good college basketball defensive and good offensive player for college. It's like, I like Bruce Brown. It's like, I remember when he got drafted by Pistons, I was like, Richard, he's a fun player. Mm-hmm. I remember being happy that he went to the Pistons for your sake. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm, I'm sad a little bit. He's not there still, but um, yeah, especially if your team stinks, you'd like that players you like. Yeah. Maybe he would drive winning too much. I don't know. Yeah, too much. He's he's too good. He's too good for yeah. this Pistons team. Too too good. Um, you can't have two superstars on a team at once. Yeah. Okay, Ethan. Well, I think I think we think we've uh, think we think we've hit this. Um, anything else we need to yeah. talk about today? I I, th- I think that's it. Oh, just re- real quick, just because I don't know if we're gonna ever say it again. Uh, I don't think we're gonna mention it, but like Thomas Bryant suffered torn ACL, left knee. Sad. Oh. Tough, tough break. Know. You just broke news to me because I didn't really watch basketball yesterday. I know. Woj tweeted about it. I knew he went down. They were doing an MRI today. See, I, I was going to watch the Heat game today. Now I have that looming over my head as when's it coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to be like, oh, no. When's it going to happen? And then. Yeah, because like, I, I, like, I got home from the golf course a little too late to like watch it live. And I was like, I don't want to watch it right now. I'll just watch casually the rest of the games of the day. And I was like, I'll watch the Heat game when I get back from golf today. So now I know. I'm just going to be wa- waiting for Thomas Bryant to go down in a heap. Oh, no. I'm sorry I did that to you. Um, so, tough. And, again, with, with these injuries taking place, uh, usually, you know, if ACL is a one-year injury, this has been harped on. Uh, 
Nate, Nate and Danny podcasts that because we're later on in the process, one year from now is not, you know, the beginning of the season even. It's going to yeah. be like a couple of months into the season. So Yeah, you're, you're hoping for Christmas Day if anything yeah. happens like today. So it's, it's no bueno. Um, all right, not Ethan, great. Good talk with you. And um, as always, Marvin Bagley's bad. Okay. 